See you all again. How's going last week? I missed it. So, all right. So, how are you guys doing today? It's ready to for spring to get here. I think it's about here. You know, I think I'm tired of this wintery stuff. You know. So, anyways, um, you know, I was thinking today. You know, like we come into church with an expectation of what church should be. It's not really important what church is. It's it's what you bring for God's expectation of you. So we come in, and I think the attitude has to be reversed. Of like, say, you know, God, I'm here. My expectation is, is, is I want to be something to, to shine a light for you, Lord, and, and I, I want to come to know you better through this experience of church. So let's, uh, let's just stand up. We're going we're gonna to sing some songs, as we always do. I'm going to just say, let's just start with a prayer today okay. and just really get focused. Lord God, we just thank you for everyone uh, that is here today, those who are joining us at church online. We're here for one thing, and that's just to connect to you. Uh, life has so much other stuff in it. And right now, we just get an opportunity to just stop the world around us and just focus on, on you and what you have for us. So let's just have an awesome time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. Yeah. Singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Singing out how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love. voices sing together. How marvelous, how wonderful. Singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Can move the mountains. 
My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, He can move a mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. Singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. Singing for the glory of the risen King. Put your hands together. Singing. For the glory. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's go. Show them, Chris. We got rhythm. Jesus, shine your light in. Let the whole world see. Sing it. For the glory of the risen King. Come on, sing it up. Shine your, shine your light in. Let the whole world see. Sing it. For the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light in. Let the whole world all right let's give the lord a praise offering here we go lord god we just thank you that we're we're together once again just to worship you through a through a week that's been up and down we started off with great weather we ended up with snow we don't have a clue what season it is. And next week, God, we're going to lose an hour of sleep. So we need you, God, more than ever before. So let's just have an awesome time together here today and just connecting what you have for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, at this time, our children go to our Shoreline Sunday School Ministry. Everybody else, say hi to somebody around you. Greet somebody. Everybody doing well? Oh, Ray is. I heard Ray. Everybody doing well? There we go. I didn't hear you that time, Ray. Okay, good to see you. We're glad that you're here. Um, Believe it or not, Easter is in a couple weeks away. Isn't that crazy? Easter is coming up. Um, 
So uh, if you're visiting with us today, hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. We say this several times. We don't believe you're here by mistake. We believe God brought you here, and we're going to have a great time together. Um, and if most people who are visiting, they look around the room, they see a familiar face, go, go scare them. It's good stuff. Um, but um, we're, we're glad that you're here. Hopefully you received the card when you came in. If you didn't, make sure you get that. We have a small gift. Thank you for being part here. And we'd love to get your feedback as well. Uh, if you want to become a member of Haven, you can see those, that kind of information. We are in week four of our Lenten uh, small group study called One Month to Live. And those of you, we, we have some small groups. Also, if somebody says, is here today and they say, wow, I'd really like to read that book, we do have extra books still. That you, It's very easy reading. It's developed once, um, one chapter a day, and it's very simple reading, but it's, very, it's, it's really good. So if you'd like to connect to that, please do so. Um, prayer ministry, um, they're having a meeting next uh, week after church. Um, Haven uh, Youth Movie Night, you can see that information that's there. Um, Yes, it is that time of year. Easter lily, if you want to put uh, lilies in honor or memory of someone, here we are. We're coming on that time of year. Please go ahead and do that. You can do it online um, or here, or you have an insert in the bulletin as well. But I know sometimes people who are church online may want to go ahead and have that donated, and we'll have the church decorated wonderfully. Um, Annual Easter egg hunt, March 26th, and you can see that information. Last year we had a uh, a great time uh, of doing that, and if anybody would like to donate plastic eggs and candy and all that kind of stuff put together, um, and for those of you who are lazy like me, they, you can buy them together, so if somebody does it for you. Uh, Holy Week Church events, um, Sunday will be our Palm Sunday, our normal service, and then on Friday we will have our uh, Good Friday service. How many of you have ever been part of a Good Friday service here? Um, our Good Friday service tends to be a really moving time, and it's an awesome time, and just to kind of stop everything, we have it at 7 p.m., and then um, Sunday, 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 race fans, hot rodders. Here we go. Uh, we will have our 6 a.m. sunrise service, and, um, and hopefully it'll be the weather that we're having Tuesday or Wednesday this week. Um, I've been part, when I was in Lewis, Delaware, we had one on the beach, and it was like about freezing, and I couldn't wait to leave. Um, so, uh, but then we'll, um, we'll have that at 6 a, 6.30 a.m. It'll be very short and connected. Then at 8.15 and... 10:15. we have two Easter celebrations. They're both the same service, um, predominantly, but we're going to go ahead and have both those working together at 8:15 and 10:15. So that way, the times will switch, but it gives a chance to get everybody in. Because last year, I think we had 400 people here, and we couldn't get them all in this one building. So invite your friends, family. I'll be giving some, there'll be some inserts in your bulletins over the next couple weeks that you can take and give somebody and invite somebody to church, and we'll, we will have a good time. All right, and then Haven's Helping Hands will meet after church as well. Um, thank you to Emergency Rotating Shelter, and we did thank um, those, uh, Debbie and um, Joanne. There you are, right there. It's my mom's name. I should know that one. Um, but um, thank you guys for all your dedication and help, definitely. Um, we served an average of 22 people per night, and so that, that's pretty good. It had a total of 155 beds, approximately 139 volunteers served, so that's awesome stuff. Uh, and I appreciate that. Okay? And um, for any, uh, any other things, um, if you'll get them in, we'll go ahead and share them. For others who may have a prayer concern and you're a part of church online, please go ahead to the website, fill that in. Or if you wanted to fill that in, um, go ahead and do so. Um, also here right now, we have these uh, prayer requests. We have one prayer request today um, for Kendall. Please pray for my uncle, um, Ernie's dog, Marley. Um, they're going to have to have her put down. And we know, we talked about that last week. We had to do that. 
and um, just definitely, um, it's, it's a sad time, it really is, because uh, they are part of your family, and so we definitely want to pray for, for the whole family there as they go through that, as we just did, all right? Any other prayers that we have that somebody's like, ah, oh, I should have mentioned something or written it down? Anybody? Last call? Yes. Who? Patty family? Okay. Okay. So for your daughter-in-law, we want to lift her, her family up in prayers and others. All right. Well, let's go to Lord in prayer, if you will. Bow your heads. Lord God, as we come to you today, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to move mightily in this place, as you already have and already will continue to do so. So God, as we continue further with our service, I ask that um, you lift up all the needs, particularly for those um, that have lifted up prayer requests today, and for any others who just may have unspoken prayers. God, I got to tell you, during um, during the last couple of weeks, uh, so many people are just going through so many things. Um, some things they can put their finger on and be like, oh, that's what it is. Others, they're just kind of not sure um, and just wonder where you are and what's going on and, and does any of this matter and is this all there is? And yet, God, you know, you've promised us that we may have life and have it abundantly. And so, God, as we just take this time together, I ask that you help restore uh, your joy into our lives and, and your peace to be upon all those things. So we may be able to experience you in a way that we may never have ever been able to. That we can hold on to that joy, but not just have the roller coaster ride that we talked about a couple weeks ago. But that we can just not wait till we have one month to live to live it fully. But that we can just live each and every day in the fullness of your Holy Spirit. And so I don't know what you fully have in store for us here today. But God, I believe that you have something for everybody here. You, you love your children, and you, wanna, you speak to all your children differently. So I just pray that the remainder of the service, whether it's the worship, whether it's the singing, um, whether, it's the, whether it's in Sunday school, what, what, regardless of what it may be, God, we just need you, and we need you to, to just touch our hearts, to just heal our minds and heal our hurts. And let's just sometimes just be able to say, I can't do this on my own, and I need you. We need you, God. Yet even in the midst of that, we, we live in a place and a country that's so, that yes, has its issues. And yes, we, we're all kind of confused about what's going to happen and the election and all this other kind of stuff. But God, we know that you have blessed us so much. And so at this time, we continue part of our worship by taking a portion of those things that you've given to us and giving it back to you, not so that we can keep it here and, and be like, wow, look at, look at what this church is doing, but God, that we can give it back and we can we can see more than 22 people a night that are homeless not only begin to to heal and be fed, but that they can go ahead and connect to you and have their lives restored. So God, whatever you would have happen with this church and its ministry, it's yours. And I ask that you give a special blessing upon both the tither and the giver. And upon whether whether it's here in church or whether it's part of our online church, whatever it may be, God, take that and multiply it to further your ministry, not ours here and around the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
I'm still on vacation time. <laughs> I forgot it was my day to read. Scripture from this morning is James 1, verses 2 through 4. Trials and temptation. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Our second reading is from Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has, given up, who has been given to us. All right. How is everybody today? Good. Didn't the, didn't the weather ch- like change like when it changes back and forth? Doesn't it mess with you? Teases you, and um, everybody was excited to wake up and see all that snow. Um, huh? Who wasn't? I would have liked another ski de- deal, right? One more ski trip. So there we go. All right. Well, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Hopefully, I just want you to kick back and have some fun today. We are in our series um, of uh, one month to live, thirty days to a no regret life. So again, we have some of these if you'd like them um, and you're interested in this. But we've come to our thir- we're coming to our third principle today, which is probably one of the most difficult that, for us to deal with. And it's, principle three is learn humbly. How many of you learn, really, re- learn humility really well? How many of you are really, really good at humble? You don't want to raise your hand because you're so humble, correct? That's how it works. Um, but it is a tough thing. One of the things that I've seen, and I've had the opportunity, I guess you could call it the opportunity, to be with people toward the end of their life. And when I see them at the end of their life, it's very interesting what happens. They have remarkable humility. They have, they have to depend on, on others. And some deal with that better than others do, but they're no longer self-sufficient or proud. And yet in their weakness, they've discovered something very liberating that is found in 2 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 9. And hopefully, if you have your bulletin with you, um, you can check on that. Um, Right in there, and you can write in uh, different things uh, and fill in the blanks. And look at what it says. This is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was dealing with something really bad. He was dealing with a big issue. And that big issue, we don't know what it was. Many have thought that it was his eyesight. Who knows what it could have been? And I'm glad they don't tell us. Because by not telling us, we can all place in our issue, which is really cool. And it's, he tells, he, he writes that he pleaded, he had this thorn in his flesh, is what he called it. And he said, I pleaded with God, please take it away. Anybody ever been in a situation where you're like, God, please take this away? Please, God, just please help. Or, or Lord, please help no matter what. God, if you're listening, go ahead and give me, give me some help here. And in doing so, Paul's saying, I pleaded with him three times. I said, God, come on, please, 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 please. And what he said, he said this was the response he got. My grace is all you need. My power is made best in your weakness. And then Paul says, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Now, isn't that very interesting? For us, if we have a weakness, we often try to cover it up, don't we? We try to hide it. We try to keep it. If something's bothering us, we try to push it away because we don't want people, we talked about that last week, we don't want people to think, oh gosh, well, Jack's not who he, who he says he is. He's not the idea of who I thought he was. And so we struggle with this kind of deal, but we like to put it here. Paul says, when I realized that God said, in my weakness, he's made strong, I decided, I'm going to tell everybody, hey, I'm weak. I'm weakest here so that God can be even more 
glorified. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you ever feel powerless in life? If you don't raise your hand, it's because you have no power to lift your hand up in the air. But if you're powerless in life, it may be a habit that you're trying to break and you can't get over it. Maybe it's a problem in a relationship that you tried to overcome it and it's just gotten worse and you feel powerless to change it. It's a problem at work and it's just draining your energy and your creativity and you feel powerless to do anything about it and solve it. Maybe your schedule is so overloaded and you look at it and the advice from others and you know the advice is to give yourself some free time and you feel powerless on anything to remove. Does that, is that, anybody relate to that one? Maybe your emotional batteries are so drained that you feel powerless to just control anything. We all feel powerless at times. And so I have a couple props here today. Um, and so how many of you have ever seen a motorcycle? You should all raise your hand because there's one up here right now. Um, but how many have ever been, seen motocross on TV where they run around to a dirt track? Or anybody been part of it? Okay, some people may have been part of it. But it's really interesting where you see, the, where you see these things. Some of these motorcycles, historically I heard they had uh, 250cc engines, and I heard some of them now are 450. Um, if you're like me, you just say, oh, wow, that's more. I'll, I'll go with it. You have no clue what it means. But anyway, um, they have real power. So can you imagine having a 250cc uh, motorcycle that you have, and you just grab it, and you begin to just walk around the track with it? You have the engine running, boom, boom, and you just, I'm going to go, here we go, I'm going to run around the track. And you're just going all the way, up, here we come over the big hill, and you try that. No matter what you do, you keep running over the place, but guess what? You're, it's under your own strength. Anybody ever tried to get a motorcycle unstuck? It's not fun. It's not fun. Even though that engine's moving, a lot of us are, live life this way, where we have the engine's revving, it's rolling, but we are trying to move it around the track under our own power. And it's not very smart, and actually, it's, not, it's really stupid, but we do it all the time. Now, I want to tell you, you may not have known this, but I actually did motocross at one point, and I have a video here to show you about it. What? I missed, okay? <laughs> Just letting you know. Okay, so well, I made it in the back. They wanted to go home. So anyway, um, you know, when I've, I've, I get a kick out of watching this sometimes on TV, um, X Games and other kinds of things like that with this, because there's a lot of, these tracks are incredible. Um, they're filled with so many things. There's a lot of turns, a lot of twists, a lot of sharp curves on the track. There's a lot of deep ruts, grooves, jumps. Um, they call them uh, whoops in, in uh, motocross. And there's just a lot of things. And bumps and bruises are just a normal part of being part of motocross and the motocross track and, and problems that you're going to experience there. When there's extreme um, jumps, you're, you're flying high, and it's much like that in life. 
Bumps and bruises in life are a lot like this motocross. You have the extreme jumps and we're flying high, but eventually we got to come down. And in many ways, we have those things that are crashes in our life as well. In the track of life, we have certain crashes. Now, I've met so many people in life that they may be trying a new venture or they have a dream and they'll be heading somewhere and their whole process is they'll say, well, what happens if I fail? And to me, the response is, what do you mean if? You will. Most of the, the most successful millionaires in the world have always said they've always failed at something. It just took one success in order to make it happen. You're going to fail in life. It's going to be part of that. Look at the person next to you and, call, and say this with as much love as you can. Failure. Everybody who has succeeded has failed many, many times. And so I think it's appropriate that we start today by talking about the power to begin again and how you start over after a crash. How do you get out of the starting gate? How do you get back in there again and again? Now, in motocross language, I did some motocross uh, reading and things this week, but when you're going into a turn and you're leaning down a lot, and you wreck, that is called a low side crash. So I want to show you an example of a low side crash. Here you go. This is a, this is a motorcycle. You can see that. That's a low side crash. Pretty bad, right? Not fun. Not fun at all for a low side crash. But when you're going into a turn and it flips you and throws you off, it's called, anybody know? High side crash. Let me show you the high side crash. Yeah, not good. The G-force and everything from the high side crashes, you can watch this while I'm talking, it just throws you. I mean, how many, if you had a choice between low side and high side, you'd pick low side. Exactly. You can see, here's another one. Not good, right? Not good. That is called, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And, you know, it's much more because you're headed in an area and it throws you, where the other one, you're leaning in and it, it, goes, it goes right with you. Today we're going to talk about a guy in the Bible who took a high side crash in his relationship with God, and yet God gave him the power to begin again. His name is Simon Peter. Anybody ever heard of him? Okay. And he teaches us so much about how we learn humbly that I think we all need to go. And we're going to talk about three important lessons, and hopefully if you have your bulletin, you can follow along with me today. So the first thing that I want to do by looking at Simon Peter is one of the things that, that I learn is that I learn from my losses. I learn from my mistakes and my losses. Everyone, everybody loses in life, and everybody fails somewhere in life. And we have to learn from those. As we said, we all fail and we all have losses, and when we do those, we can, like, like for instance, I got to tell you, if I'm flipping over the handles... I'm, it's going to be a long time, if ever, before I get back on the bike. You with me? But anybody who has done any kind of motocross or anything, if you ask them the question, if they've done it for years, have you ever had a high side crash? They're going to say, are you stupid? Of course I have. Everybody has learned how to experience crashes and to overcome them to get back on the bike and do that. As we look here today, everybody in life loses and everybody has some kind of failure. Simon Peter was one of uh, Jesus' main team. He was going to be the foundation of the church. Matter of fact, Jesus even changed his name from Simon to Petra, which means Rocky. Hey, yo. And so he, he's like, you're the, you're the one I'm going to build my church upon, Rocky. 
you Adrian, okay? So he, he did this. He was ready for it. And he, you know, he, Jesus tells him, guess what, Peter, when I got to decide somebody, I, if I'm doing the draft of Christianity, I'm drafting you first. You're my first round pick because I am building the rest of this foundation on you. Those with Roman Catholic background look to him as the first pope, okay? That's where they, they go back to. For us, we look at him as a foundation that God said, I need somebody strong. Jesus said, I need somebody who's really strong that I can build upon. And he chose Simon Peter. You're going to be that rock that I'm going to build my church on. And Peter is a lot like you and me. He became proud. And on the night in which Jesus grabbed his disciples together, and he said, listen, I want to tell you something. Some bad stuff's going to happen to me, but I want to tell you what's going to happen to you. Every single one of you is going to deny knowing me. Well, here you have first-round draft pick, Peter, now that says, Oh, no, 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 not me, not me. I'm the number one pick in this draft. Everybody else will fall off, but not me, because I'm, yo, I'm, I'm Peter. I'm the rock. And Jesus was warning all of them that this is going to be the most difficult race of your life. The conditions are going to be worse than you've ever, ever experienced. There's nothing like you're ever going to face before. Some of the jumps are going to be higher, and that means some of the crashes are going to be more extreme. And he warned them. But Peter said, not me, not me. But then what happened? Right out of the starting gate, a day later, Peter had a high side crash. Because as we look, if you look in Luke chapter 22, in Luke chapter 22, they had arrested Jesus, and Jesus was at, uh, out, Peter was outside in the courtyard at a distance, and a servant girl came up to him, and she said, hey, you were with him. And he says, It says, Scripture says, Peter denied it. He said, woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them. And he said, man, I am not. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this man was with him. For the way he's talking, he's a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, in other scripture lessons, it tells us that he cursed him, meaning he used the worst language. I know you're all thinking of it right now. He used the worst language he could to separate himself from Jesus at that point. This is number one pick. This is who you're building your team on. And he says, not me. And then the second he gets a chance, bam, high side crash, and he wrecks. It's a picture of deep brokenness that we see here. And what we find is that It says, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the words that had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside, and he wept bitterly. Just think about that. He went outside, and he wept bitterly. What a picture of deep brokenness. Jesus didn't even have to say a word to Peter. He just looked at him. And with compassion, he looked into his heart and saw the brokenness that existed. And you know, some of you right now are in a period of brokenness. And Jesus doesn't have to say anything. He's looking right into your heart. You may put on a good game face, but honestly, you may have had a high side crash in your marriage. You may have a high side crash in your family or in your business, or maybe you're in an emotional crash, but you don't, if it's something else, but you're in the middle of one right now, you feel like you're going over the handlebars right now. 
Jesus just wants to look at you with compassion. He sees your guilt and your regret and your shame. And he wants to say something to you today. Today, because of the power of the cross, failure is never final. And it's never fatal. Because we serve a God who gives, God, gives second chances. Anybody excited by that? We serve a God who gives second chances. And he wants to give you the power to begin again. And that's what he did for Peter. So to begin to learn humbly, the first thing I have to do is learn from my losses. I have to learn from my losses. And then I have to take on something. And I also have to let go of something. The next thing that I have to do, and this is not popular in today's world, I have to take responsibility for my failure. How many, anybody ever know anybody? Uh, you're related to somebody. You work with somebody that takes responsibility for absolutely nothing. Or they take responsibility for the good stuff, but when they do the bad stuff, they're nowhere to be found. Listen to what, we have to own our, our, our stuff, our mess-ups as well. Proverbs 28, 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he will be given another chance. I have to admit my mess-ups. I need to take responsibility for my failures and give God another chance. You see, what I've learned is champions never blame equipment. They never say, ah, it didn't start. Champions never blame the conditions of the track or field. Usually the people who lose do. Have you noticed that? The people who lose have lots of excuses. It was the refs. It was, um, it was the judge. It was this. It was that. Somebody must be bribing somebody. So the first thing is they never blame. But the second thing is, first and foremost, they look in the mirror and they learn from their losses. We play the societal blame game. We blame everybody. We, we say it's not my fault. We blame our husband or our wife. We blame our family members. We blame our company. We blame the boss. Uh, but we have to really take some time in our life, and those could contribute, but sometimes we have to take a look at our own life and look in the mirror and take responsibility so that we can be forgiven. You know, see, Simon Peter was very, very proud. He was the first-round draft pick, as a matter of fact. He actually, it's a great time, he actually was arguing with the other disciples on who would with Jesus in heaven. That was part of their discussion. But then when he came and he crashed, he felt God could never, ever use him again. I can't have God use me. Some of us say, I'm so broken, there's no way God can use me. And some of you are right there right now. I want to tell you, brokenness is a good place to be. It's a painful place to be but it's a place of new beginnings. It's where God can use you. And for some reason, every time I think about brokenness, I think about the Brady Bunch and Ma said, Mom said, never play ball in the house. Remember that? Anybody who's old enough? And they broke her vase. And so many times we wait, when we, we wait till we get to that place of brokenness to let all our pride and everything be taken away. God can't use us when we're prideful. He uses us when we, don't, when we realize we can't do it. And so I have, to, I have to go ahead and take responsibility for my failure. The next thing I have to do is I also have to let go of my guilt. How many of you know people who've held guilt for about 10 years? How many know about 20? How many know anybody a lot longer than that? There you go. If a rider falls off after a crash, the most important thing is to what? Get back up. Get back up. Some of you feel like you're falling, so today some of you, God wants to help get you back on track. 
The race isn't over for you. One of the coolest accounts that we have here is after Jesus was, as the disciples ran to the tomb, and they saw Jesus was not here, in Mark chapter 16, the angel responds this way, and I love this verse. It says, but go and tell the disciples and who else? Who? Go tell the disciples and Peter. What does that tell us? Peter wasn't hanging out with his disciples after he denied Jesus. The one, the first round draft pick went AWOL. They lost, he lost his signing bonus. Okay? He left. He didn't show up to camp. And it wasn't because he was in a contract dispute. It was because he felt unworthy all of a sudden. And so the angel says, go tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him just as he told. Again, the angel says, hey, uh, go tell the disciples. Oh, and don't forget Simon Peter. Don't forget Peter. Why? Because he's still included. Even though in his own nature he thought he was useless to God, in his brokenness he is more useful to God. He had completely blown it. His life was over. But God said, guess what? Here's what I want you to know. I still have a race for you to run. I still have a plan for your life. Today, God is telling you that you have the power to begin again. I have a great place for you. I have a great race for you. I want you to become a champion in life. I drafted you first because I needed you. But the first thing that you have to do, Peter, and and the rest of us, is to let go of your guilt. Look at somebody and say, let go. Look at somebody else and say, let go. Let it go. Let it go. Sorry. I will. Um, That's my responsibility. You see, I think so many times when we're in our brokenness, we want God to sweep in and put all the pieces back together. But if we don't let go of our guilt, we can't, he can't put it back together because we're still holding on. If, I, if he starts putting me back, I say, wait a second, I'm, bro- I'm too broken in that area. He's never going to be able to put me back together in the way he wants me to be. You see, God forgives me through the power of the cross. And I can let go of that guilt because that guilt blinds me to what God has for my life. And some of us exist that way, that we're blinded. Now, what's really cool in motocross is they, they have this helmet. But apart from the helmet, they have these goggles or goggles like that. And by having goggles, what are the conditions of the track? What do they look like? They're muddy and dirty. And so when you put these goggles on, this is a photo op, all right? When you put the goggles on, right now they're very clear. But what happens as you're riding around and you're riding behind people? What happens? Mud and dirt get caught on here. And guess what? You can go like this and you still can't see. So you know what they have built in? It's the same way with guilt. Guilt clouds us up. It makes us muddy. And we wipe. We try to go by our own strength and pull it off. And guess what? It just gets smeared and we can't see anymore. And we're more blinded, more and more blinded to what we should have and need done. But in motocross racing, they have something really cool. They have pieces of plastic that when it covers it up, they just rip it off and throw it away. And guess what happens after that? It's nice and clear. But guess what happens as you're riding some more? Mud back up, what do you do? Rip it off and tear it away. And that's what we need to start doing with guilt. Instead of holding it there and saying, I can't see you, and trying to go through life like a bat out of hell, all like this and not seeing where we go, increasing the nature for a crash, we need to just rip off the guilt and go. 
Make sense? Why don't we? Why don't we? That's one of the big questions that we have in life. We, don't, we have to do this with guilt and tear this off. Some of you are feeling guilty over something that happened 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Get over it. Rip it off and throw it away. If you come to the Lord and you ask for forgiveness for it, the Scripture tells us that He forgives you and He does something else that's just really awesome. Forgets it. Now, do you know of any other entity in the world that doesn't let you stop remembering what you did yesterday or 20 years from now? If I told a class the other day um, of, of seniors in high school, I said, look around you. You guys are connected to each other for the rest of your life. Whatever stupid stuff you do here, no matter when they see you in life, you can become the president of the United States, and they're going to remind you of exactly what you did in high school, right? Amen. Aren't we excited about that, that deal in life? Like, really? He's a minister? You remember what he did that time? You know, that's always an interesting situation. We we have we are always connected to that. Here's the thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you go to him and say, God, I'm I'm broken. I need your forgiveness. He forgives us, and when we bring it back up to him again, because we like to do that, we give it to God, we've got the big yo-yo with God. Give it to you, whoop, give me that back. And by doing so. It says it grieves God because we tell God, you're not strong enough to forgive me for what I've done. And so we don't allow God to do that. Peter had to learn to take responsibility. He owned his failure. He didn't blame anyone else. And he started letting go of his guilt by tearing it off and letting it go. You realize he could have done nothing else in life if every time he came to the point. And you know what? I bet you some of the other people reminded him of what he did. No, you're out here, you're out here telling people that all you need is Jesus and the, the lame can walk and all that kind of stuff. And you're the one who's leading this group. Weren't you the one who was in the garden and in that in that courtyard with that fire that said, I don't know, I mean, I remember you said some bad words too. That's not becoming of a preacher, right? Everybody's waiting for me to say a bad word or something today. I got <laughs> give me time. Uh, here we go. What he ripped it off and threw it away. And continued on. I love this from, uh, it's from The Room by Josh Harris. And he said, I dreamed I found myself in a room. There were no distinguishing features except for one wall covered with small index cards. Without being told, I knew exactly where I was. This lifeless room with these small files was a crude catalog system for my whole life. Here was written the actions of my every moment, big and small, In detail, my memory couldn't match. The titles range from the mundane to the outright weird. Books I have read, lies I have told, comfort I have given, jokes I laughed at, a lot of things I wasn't proud of, like things that I had done in anger, people I have judged, things I've muttered under my breath. And when I came to a file marked Lustful Thoughts, I felt a chill through my body. I drew out a card and I shuddered at its detailed content. I felt sick that such a moment had been recorded. One thought dominated my mind. No one must ever see these cards. No one must ever see this room. I have to destroy them. I became desperate. I pulled out a card and I tried to destroy it only to find it was strong as steel. And when I tried to tear it, defeated and utterly hopeless, I returned the file to its slot when tears came. 
I fell on my knees and I cried. I cried out of shame from the overwhelming shame of it all. But then as I pushed away the tears, I saw him. There was Jesus reading each card. I couldn't bear to see his response. And in the moments I couldn't bring myself to look at his face, I saw a deep sorrow, a deeper sorrow than than my own. Starting at the end of the room, he took out a file, and one by one, he began to sign his name over mine on each card. The name of Jesus covered mine. It was written in his blood. I don't think I'll ever understand how he did it so quickly, but in the next instant, it seemed I heard him close, and the last file, with the last file, and walked to my side. He placed it, his hand on my shoulder, and he said, it is finished. I stood up. He led me out of the room, and there was no lock on his door. There were still blank cards to be written on. That's your life in Christ. All that stuff that you've ever done, he just writes over it. All that guilt that you feel, all that loss that you feel, through the power of the cross, he just writes across it in his blood and, there, and gives you blank cards. The future can be whatever you want in Christ Jesus. There's still blank cards to be written on in your life. Your future is as bright as the promises of God. All because of the power of the cross. Jesus did it all. He took away all sins, all mistakes. And when I own up to my mistakes and sins, he just signs his name across it, and it's gone. So the first thing that we have to do is learn humbly and learn from our losses. Number two. I have to surrender to God's strength. I can't change in my own strength. In Luke 9, 23, it says, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross. You know, what's interesting is self-help books tell you everything else, that you need to satisfy yourself. You need to look at yourself and find purpose from within. You need to meet your own needs. But for purpose, you have to connect to the God who created you. You know the best, you know when anything breaks in life, I want, and if I have somebody who works on that or somebody who created that, that's who I want to go to. I don't want to look at myself. If it was left up to me to fix my car, I would have to buy a new car every week. You've got to look to God who created you. Jesus said, I must deny myself. Peter denied Christ and he crashed. But when he learned to deny himself, he rose to levels that, He couldn't have on his own. So what does it mean to take up your cross daily and to deny yourself? The cross is simply something. Yeah, we have nice pretty ones, but historically it means death. It's a place of death. It's a place where we lay down those things that we can't get out of the way and we let Christ take them up. It's a continual process each and every day because I got a lot of mess. Anybody with me in that boat? I got a lot of mess in my life that I need Jesus to deal with. It's saying, God, my plans aren't my plans, but they're yours from now on. I want to follow you. You created this mess. You figure out how to get it to the end of the track. And I'm going to sign on to it. It's about not having an ego and no selfishness. You see, Peter had lots of dreams. He was a fisherman, and he was probably one of the worst fishermen I've ever heard of. They never catch anything without Jesus. Read the scripture. But guess what? He planned on catching fish. Jesus said, no, you're going to be fishers of men and women. And he changed the world. A Galilean fisherman left it all and changed the world, all because of his relationship following the path Christ had for him. So I need to learn from my losses, and I need to surrender to God's strength. Number three, 
and then I can pursue God's path. It's all a trust issue. We never surrender to God and pursue his path unless we know and recognize and we trust him to know what's best for me. I'll talk to a lot of people who say, I really don't want to follow God because he may make me do something that I don't want to do. Yeah, that's why we're not God, (laughs) just to let you know. Uh, He will make you do something that you won't want to do because without him, our path is off. It's when, when we choose what we want to do over what God had created us to be, that's called making a self-God. And how's that working for you? Believe me, when I got this call to ministry, I was like, God, anything else but missionary work overseas, I like cable. All right? You know, if there's an internet connection, maybe. You know, and we went through this struggle. And he was like, Jack, trust me, I'm not going to inflict those people uh, with you. Um, but it's part of the process that we have. People say, what, what if he messes up my life? Or it's boring. i got to tell you, in 20 years of ministry, it's been anything but boring. Boring would be exciting for some time. There is always something going on. There's always something happening. There's the big high jumps. There's the low. There's the people who crash to the side. There's the people who flip over the handlebars and smash up against the wall. And there's me in the midst of all this. And guess what? I'm a mess. It ultimately comes down, though, to if I trust the God of the universe to do what he said in my life. Peter began to depend on God's power, and it changed everything. It changed everything so much that just a month or so later, you have Simon Peter, who's leading the Christians. He's standing up in front of thousands of people, knowing that he could be persecuted, giving a historical lesson about Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he says, you need to repent and come to know Jesus as the Messiah. And 3,000 men, plus women and children, came into the kingdom that day. In one month difference. Now, i got to tell you, I've been part of a lot of great things that build you up. I've been part of a lot of things that encourage you, that make me feel good. But I have never, ever been part of something that in one, one month, I'm a complete wrecking mess. And the next month, thousands of people are coming to know Jesus. That's all through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Peter finally gave up his life and gave it to the Lord to take care of that. In Psalm 119, 32, it says, I run the path of your commands, for you have set in my heart. When you follow God's path, you can go full throttle because you know you're headed to the right place. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Whenever I'm restless, i got to tell you, it's because I'm wrestling, trying to wrestle the handlebars from God. You know, how, ma- how many hands can you put on, a, on a, uh, handlebars? Two. Okay, let's look at this. So here's me. Now, God has no place to put his hands. Sometimes I want God to sit up here and just give me a, give me a look. God, can you, can you tell me where we're going? I can't see. But I'll just drive. No, no, I got this, God. Oh, let's slow down a little bit. We're going a little too fast, God. Mm, you guys really want me to start this up and ride around, don't you? <laughs> At least the people on the ends don't. The people, yeah, I need one of those old Shriner cars, okay? Um, the people in the middle are like, go for it, Jack. People on the end like, no way, all right? But, you know, 
I, I used to ride a motorcycle with a friend of mine, and there's no way he would ever have let me drive. No way. But you know what? He knew where he was going. He knew what he was doing. And I got the joy of just sitting on the back, just holding on. I think sometimes in life, we want God to jump on the back and say, I got this. Get on, Jesus. Let's go. Come on. Woo! And we reckon, we say, you know, where were you? Jesus is like, I'm not riding with you. Not where you're going. But when we go here and we say, think of all the pressure it takes off. I don't have to look about anything. I just get to enjoy it. Just get to look around and say, let's go. All because I let Jesus drive and let him take me through that. You see, I've looked in the scripture and there's some things I've noticed about people in the Bible who learned to be humble. They had three things. They all had three things. You ready for this? Number one, they had the call. They all got a call upon their lives. For me, I have a call. And guess what? They all have a great call. You all have a great call. The person you told was a failure, go ahead and tell them you got a great call. Make them feel a little bit better. You have a call of greatness on your life. The call of greatness that God has placed on me is to be a great husband, to be a great dad, to be a great pastor, to be a great professor, to be a, a great friend. That's the call God's placed on my life. I don't know the call to greatness on your life, but God's placed it on your life. And he wants you to be great in whatever you've done. And you know what it is in your heart. You're called to greatness. And I want to tell you this. Here's the cool thing. There are no great people in the world. There are only ordinary people who are committed to great causes. God called you to a great cause. The problem is we have the call, and that's good. I mean, you know how many people, I remember when I got the call to miss, Woo! you got a call, you got the call, you got the call. But the thing they didn't tell me next, what was coming, is the wall. There's a call, but there's a wall. And everybody hits the wall. Some people are still hitting the wall. I hit the wall every day. I hit the wall every day in life. And I come to this place where I say, I want to be great for you, God. I want to be a great dad. And guess what? I just feel worn out and don't want to deal with her nonsense. Anybody there? Any dads? Some of this stuff, it's not nonsense to them, but to me in the grand scheme of things, it really is. And I'm tired and I'm worn out and I don't want to hear it. And I'm busy. And I just feel selfish there. I want to be a great husband. But there's times right now that I just don't have the love I need to give to her. I want to be a great pastor. But sometimes I just don't have the energy to do it. You with me? More and more days of my life, I say, God, I can't. It's impossible. And God says, finally, you're right, you can't. Jack, you can't be a great dad. You know why? Because you're not great. Jack, you can't be a great uh, pastor because you're not great. Jack, you can't be a great father because you're not. But what I've been waiting for is you to shut up and give me the handlebars and get in the back and let me get involved and give you my power and my strength. So I have the call, I have the wall, and you thought the wall was bad, but then guess what you have? The fall. The fall. The good news is about the fall, you have an option. You have an option how you fall. You either fall on your face or you fall down to your knees. The call of greatness is first, and then we hit the wall, but we 
survive it through, that's when we get his power, and then we either fall on our face or we fall down in prayer. Psalm 20, verse 7 says this, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their what? And what? But we will. And you see, this is so different than what anything in life tells you. I, I just have to tell you that there are moments in my life that I just want to walk away to an island where nobody knows where I am. Anybody with me? We'll get a bus trip. We'll go. We'll, do, we'll, we'll say it's a mission trip. You know, that's how Christians go to fun places. I'm going on a mission trip in the Bahamas. Sure you are. Yeah, I've heard that one before. All right. I'm driving. Everybody on. Okay, here we go. Here's the thing. It's because those moments, I'm Simon Peter. I'm trying to do this as Rocky. Yo, you're the draft pick. Yo, yeah, I got this, God. And then when the heat gets tough, I fall apart. Because I'm going to tell you something really awesome you may have never heard in church. Guess what? I will fail you as a pastor. I will fail you as a friend. I will fail you in giving sermons. You'll say, what in the heck was that mess he spewed out today? You might be saying that right now. It's okay. I'll take you for a ride afterwards. There we go. But ultimately, Jesus will never fail you. Ever, ever. And when you you have a call on your life, you're going to hit the wall. You may be smacking up against it right now. I want to tell some of the young people here, you're going to hit more walls than you know in your life. And guess what? It's those times where you're going to fall, and you're going to wonder what tomorrow brings. You're going to wonder about the call God placed on your life. You're going to wonder about where is God. But it's those moments that Jesus says, finally, just, get, just start praying to me. It doesn't have to be nice and organized and beautiful. Just say, God, this stinks, and I need you. And he says, "Woo, here we go. I got to tell you, I don't come quicker when my children say, hello, Father, Father, you who? Father of mine, when you're not busy, would you mind coming in here? You know when I come? When they go, Daddy! Daddy! Daddy, 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 Daddy! What? And for some reason, we in the church have gotten to this point that we don't feel like we can scream out to God. But when we do, that's when our daddy answers us. So some of you who are wrecking, I'm telling you, if I'm going over to handlebars, I'm screaming to everybody. My dad can't move too well. I scream his name. Hopefully he's in a way somewhere. Ah, daddy! And I guarantee you, even if he couldn't move, he's going to answer me. God is always going to answer and always be there because when we are in, in our weakness, we're made strong because his grace, his undeserved love, his undeserved favor, his strength is sufficient for any ounce of trouble we have. And that's the awesome thing. So as you're going through this motor cross of life, You're going to have some low side crashes. You're going to have some high side crashes. But as you're up in the air and you're heading down, be ready to fall like this and say, God, I need you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand up. Let's stand. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we just come to you today, and I just thank you for who you are once again. And just that uh, I am a mess and this is a room of mess, and this is a world of mess. But God, when we humble ourselves, you're here. 
Scripture says, what does the Lord require of you? To walk justly and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God. Walking humbly with you. And God, I just pray right now that you'll empty me out of any kind of thing that, that is here and this that is a stumbling block to anybody here. And that all of us, that God, I, I know as I look around the room that many of us are either heading into the turn for a crash or we're in the air of a crash or we're sliding across, across the road. But whatever it is, God, we need you. And I just want to commit to you these next 30 days or, or whatever, the next part of our life, not because we're going to die, but because we're going to learn how to live even more so. Help us, God, to find our passion and develop it and follow it and to seek after you. Lord, we're tired of mud puddles. We want to move to the depths of the ocean of the experience that we have with you and move it to a whole new level. I pray for everyone here today, God, that, that we could just connect and be more who you created us to be. That to be more of us, we need to recognize that we have need more of you in our lives. Take the handlebars, and even if we're holding on and white-knuckling it and refuse to let go, God, just pry us off and let us just experience the freedom of a life that is driven by you. I pray now that everybody here in the silence of their hearts would just say to you, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, would just say, Jesus, I need you to come into my life. For those who may have made that commitment many years ago or just a little bit ago, that for those who've gotten off track, they're trying to push that motorcycle around by their own strength, that God, you get it back on and that they just let go and let you guide them. Say, God, I want you within my life to forgive my sins. I know I want you to be the Lord of my life from now on. And God, I pray for every one of us as we continue this journey, which we call one month to live. But may it not just be one month that if we have 85 years, that it's one that we are completely focused and driven in following the path that you have for our lives. Empty us out, God. Clear off our goggles. Let us rip away the guilt that has eaten us for year after year. And recognize it's your Holy Spirit that gives us power. And that we're just a... This is group that you have called together, God, is a mess, but you make something great out of us, and we love you. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that we could do in this life that could keep you separated from us. And God, I want to pray for people right now who may be watching or, or just may be here that just feel like they had nothing left in life because they've done something too horrific. Help them recognize that you have a great plan for their life, and you're drawing them back, and they just need to grow closer to you and let you do what you do. Ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you want to, please come up for prayer. We're going to have some of our Stephen ministers, and I'll be around as well. Just open up for prayer and just worship the Lord.
my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are
You're welcome here. That is truly one of the greatest uh, worship songs um, in the last several years, isn't it? Just um, to me, the, the verse, the part that was sticking out was, let us be more aware of your presence. So as we head out on our little bikes through life, and we get on them and we're, we're rolling down, just be aware of the presence of God in your life. Um, I would really like to start that right out, but I will wreck. I know it would be bad. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but, but just also, just connect to God some way. God wants, just wants, wants you to know that he's not done with you. The way you thought that God gave you giftedness to head in an area may not be exactly where he's called you to go. But just like Simon Peter, when he thought I was going to be the Rocky, I was going to be the Rocky, and that's how I'm going to do it. He was the rock that Jesus built on the church, but not the way he did it under his own strength, but under power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can do it. The only way we can do it. All right? So next week. Next week is our fourth one, and it's, um, it's going to be a good one. We're, we're, we're getting down to the end of the month, right? So we are going to leave boldly next week. We're going to talk about leaving boldly. It's going to be a great avenue to how do we leave this world boldly. And so before you leave, high-five somebody, knuckle-punch them, don't punch them and high-face them or something. But have a great week in the Lord. I'm finding myself at a loss for words